How are we doing today? We're back with another episode of Splitting Gaps, our biggest episode so far. We are coming off Championship Saturday, one of one of the better ones I've seen in the last couple years. Uh, we'll jump right in with one of the better games I've seen in in a long time. Baylor, Oklahoma State. So Dave Aranda, what a job he's done, first of all, coming off a two and seven season last year, two conference champs in the Big Twelve. Glad it wasn't Oklahoma. Glad that they didn't uh, end up getting their shake be- just because they squeaked past a couple, you know, Pop Warner teams down the stretch. But let's talk about those two goal line stands because I nothing to me says football, like the essence of football, like a goal line stand. And we saw two. Oklahoma State, the Cowboys scored three points off eight plays from the one-yard line. I mean, number one takeaway is you got to finish drives. Yep. I mean, that's right there why. You end up losing a conference championship. I mean, who knows what would have happened uh, with Bama end up winning. Possible playoff on the line. Butterfly effect. And you look at right there, eight plays, one yard line, three points. I mean, that's the biggest takeaway. If you can't score in the red zone, you can't finish drives, you're not a championship caliber football team. Yep. I mean, there, I don't ever see Oklahoma State getting another shot like this. Mike Gundy, I mean, he's been there for forever. Every once in about seven years, they'll have a great team just that are, that'll sniff the postseason, and it's. I don't see him getting back there next year. That's for sure. So it could. What what could have been for the Cowboys? And I think Oklahoma State is normally you know known with those other Big Twelve teams as just a a potent offense. You know, I like Mike Gundy, and it. It's it sucks that he's gonna be remembered for this because like you said they probably as long as, during his tenure will never get another shot like this, but it's like he will be remembered as the guy that pissed away a shot at the college football playoff because they couldn't get half a yard. That first one they came away with three, they were that guy got down to about the the half yard line and they had three shots at it lost a couple yards, had a fumble, got it back, still couldn't get in. To end the game, one of the greatest plays I've seen in recent college football memory, uh, I thought he was in. He got strung out to the sideline, and it was it really, to me, I was just getting flashbacks of that uh, Michael Penix Jr. play from last year. I was just going to say, that's almost identical. As soon as I saw him turn the corner, I was like, whoa, this is oddly familiar. We just saw this. And apparently it wasn't because he didn't get it. Just staring down the barrel of the pylon, and that's why it's a game of inches. But what a what a performance by Baylor! One of the gutsiest, gutsiest performances I've seen from a defense, let alone a Big Twelve defense, in a long time. And you know, it's it's too bad, being that you know, our our Irish aren't aren't in. It's too bad that Baylor didn't get a shot after that. I know they wouldn't. Uh, like it would just it would be so poetic if they got that stop and it was winning in for either team and they get that yeah. stop to go to the college football playoff. Absolutely. Um, one thing I'd like to say too is about the Mike Gundy maybe never getting a chance again. I don't know. I mean, he's been solid every year. He's obviously had his good teams who, like we said, have had his chances. Um, but if you look at the Big Twelve, okay, we got Texas, who's always a mess. Seems like they're nev- they tell you they're back and then the next <laughs> year they're not. 
Um, with Lincoln Riley departing, I mean, what do Renables is in a good position, obviously. He's a great coach, but we don't know what to expect from that. They've you know, lost one, a lot of guys. One point right. I was yeah. going to make is that Oklahoma and Texas are bailing, too. Yeah. The Big 12, so well, they're going to pick up. True, yeah. They're going to pick up who? Like Boise State, uh, I think, was rumored. A couple of those other, like, middling schools, yeah. but it's like. I don't know. I have, like, thinking back, like, those two perennial, like, teams that have always been in the Big 12 are gone. So yeah. Who knows? It, it might be Baylor and Oklahoma State. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, I yeah mean, if, true. This if, could be a this could be a matchup we see for a while, actually. Yeah. I don't know what their return product is looking like for next year, but, I mean, if Baylor went 2-7 and seven last year. So this could have been like, hey, we got it together. Maybe we're going to be the best team in the Big 12. It also could, could be, hey, let's take Mike Gundy's consistency as a coach Maybe with Oklahoma and Texas down until they bail, they grab those same. We guys. can start. Hey, let's bring it back next year. They might be the favorite to win the Big Twelve. Next and year. another thing, I I always liked Baylor because I was a huge RG three guy, yeah. and there was there was Art a Bryles. yeah, <laughs> there was a story um, of the Baylor. They showed the Baylor football facilities later that day that weekend, where you know you'd think you'd be you know celebrating a uh, Big Twelve championship, and it was. Dead quiet, no one there, and it was because it was Molly McGrath. Uh, shout out Molly McGrath, she's wonderful. She was reporting from Baylor the next day that no one was there because Veranda, right after the championship game, went on a recruiting visit. Yeah, they didn't even mention the word playoff. Yeah, because it's just like they knew they weren't going to get in, but it's a great stepping stone for next season. And that's that's a great mentality. So, yeah, to to go back to that. This probably will be I Gundy will stick around. He's been there for yeah. seventeen years. He'll probably be a light. He's he's there until he wants to leave. But we could be seeing a lot of Baylor in the coming years because I think Veranda's a he's a hell of a coach yeah. and he did a great job. Um, but to transition into some of the uh, games that ended up being more meaningful, um, Michigan. Are you talking about Oregon Utah? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not talking about Oregon Utah or the Pac-12, but. How about them, uh, them Wolverines, Beachler? I mean, we we did what we set out to do. Uh, you know, after a tough loss against Michigan State, which uh, happened to fall on the thirty first of October, uh, you you schedule your meaningful games in November. Uh, Michigan had to go and play a tough Penn State team on the road, which is always a hostile environment. Uh, wasn't the whiteout night game that is always the hindrance, but you know, nonetheless. Great game. Uh, all the big players stepped up in that. And then uh, the game against the Buckeyes was just f- the best display of Michigan football I think I've ever seen. Um, I thought I saw it against Michigan State. I've never seen Michigan throw the ball better. I think I even said that on this podcast. Uh, but they just looked like the complete package. Who They almost looked like Georgia. With a, mo- a model. They, I do see a lot of. A lot yeah. of defense. You have the one guy on defense who's like, you know, per- perennial national powerhouse guy, great defense, and they run the dang ball. And you have a coherent quarterback who, okay, third and seven, you make it a little manageable. We got guys on the outside we can get the ball and to. just get it to the And sticks. that's how they play the game. Uh, they, I, I thought they dominated Iowa. I mean, obviously the score reflects that, but I like seeing Harbaugh and Gaddis just pulling out all the stops. You know, I mean, they're up 7-0. Pitch out to Donovan Edwards right, and that guy's yucking it downfield for a touchdown. I mean, that's just plays that, as a Michigan fan, I've never really seen, like absolutely just nailed. And just, I'm just so happy with this program. All the hate Harbaugh's been taking, uh, rightfully so. You know, you can't beat your rival. But what it comes down to is, hey, if you can, 
And that's always been the thing. In 2016, it was, wow, if JT was short and uh, you end up winning that game, maybe getting the conference championship and they win that, you're in the playoff. And that's always been the story of Michigan, really outside last year, where they were just awful. But they got it done this year. They knew what they had to do, and they did it. And now they're playing the Dogs, who we just said are pretty similar teams in my eyes. Yeah, and uh, and Marty, I know you had some some takeaways from that uh, Georgia-Bama game. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, we really didn't know what Georgia was coming into that game. Like, they the whole season, if you look, they were just like, their marquee win, aside from that Clemson game, which Clemson obviously didn't turn out to be anything this year, but it's like they, they beat, like, a ranked Kentucky team. Yeah. It's like, is are we really, like, they've been crowned just because of five-star across the board this whole year, and then they come and play a team that's well-coached and just got their asses kicked. So it's, I mean, we'll see what Georgia can do against a good Michigan team. It'll be interesting. That's, I, do you know what the spread it opened up at? In that Six, and Six and a half. Georgia's yeah. favored, so... That seems a little generous because, like I said, they haven't proved anything, and Michigan's had to play some tough teams coming into it. But I guess you could uh, say talent in that case. But one thing is that, I mean, Bama, talk about a couple, like a dichotomous performance. I mean, that Auburn game, they were terrible. Yeah. They, and they should have lost. They should have never even come close to winning that game. Tank Bigsby stays in bounds, and then they come out and destroy the number one team in the country. Just and win, so, baby. Just win. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Alabama's Alabama, like usual. They are. They are who we thought they yeah, were. <laughs> yeah. but, to me, uh, it's a coaching thing in championship caliber games. I mean, it, it, I did not think Kirby Smart would get it done against Saban. He, I mean, Kirby hasn't gotten it done in any big game well, aside from their their one semifinal game in twenty eighteen. Was it? Was that against yeah. Oklahoma? Oklahoma. That yeah. Absolute shootout. In the yeah, they, yeah. That was. That was it. That, like they, uh, Georgia hasn't won a big game since they because they they but choked away the natty choked like all these every season Kirby hasn't been able to get it done. But see, that's a game where I'd expect hey Kirby Smart's going to out coach Lincoln Riley here. Like yeah. that that's yeah. where I was. See, it comes down to coach. I don't think Kirby Smart is going to out coach Nick Saban. No, no, and, and I don't. Only one of his assistants ever has, and, and that was Jimbo this year. And I don't think I don't think outside of maybe a Clemson team that was far better. I don't think I've ever seen a a Saban led team be out coached. You just have to beat them on the field. But I I was watching that Auburn game and I, man, I was I was the biggest you know I was war eagle that day because you know all the implications that had for for the Irish. But right after that game, Bama needed about a million things to go right in those last three minutes. They drag the guy out of bounds, basically get another timeout. They get the stop on third down. The punter hit two consecutive punts down to the one-yard line in back-to-back possessions. And I was like, oh, this kid is getting laid tonight. You know, <laughs> they win the Iron Bowl. The punter is just player of the game. And you knew you knew right when right when Bryce Young had him driving, and I, I, I had my grievances with the officials there because there was about three plays where it was clear intentional grounding. They didn't call it. They Bama's one of those teams that when you know it's it's a spot for a timeout, they just stop the clock before you know even a timeout is called. They just get the benefit of the doubt. Right when they scored, you knew it was over, and you know they win. I I wish Auburn comes out their first two point conversion in the third overtime, and they had the perfect play. You know it was clearly a play that they had been sitting on. You know this is our two point conversion play if we need it. Ran it to perfection, and I'm like, okay, you get. You maybe get one shot to take down Bama. Yeah. 
if if that Better you usually for the head. you usually yeah you go for the head you best not miss right and it's like you run that when you can win it because why kick the extra point? Are you, your quarterback's on one leg. What do you think you're going to take? You know, yeah. you think the more overtimes is better for you? No. And the second they won that game, I go, okay, well, this is what happens with Bama every year. They squeak that one out, and they're not going to lose. You know, they're not going to lose ever again, and they'll probably win the national championship. There's some great teams in this playoff, so I don't know, but my thought was immediately when they when they squeaked that one out that, yeah, they're – they're gonna be have their held, heads held high and just roll tied the rest of the way and and take back to back championships. Absolutely, absolutely, and that's what they did. And they might. I mean, their offense looks unstoppable. <laughs> it really does. I mean, that number one defense you've been hearing all year about George only letting up seven points. Bama just scored what forty forty two. Yeah, was the, it? Yeah, the, or what was it? Thirty forty one. Yeah, 41-24, 41-24. And, and I heard, I forget who it was, um, this college football analyst, they were talking Heisman and Bryce Young, and his point was, you can't be the best player in the country when you're not the best player in your own county. And who he was referencing was Will Anderson, who was, the, uh, who was kind of the mainstay of that defense. He has 32 tackles for loss going into that uh, yeah. SEC champ. That's something I've, I've never seen. I don't... That is an outrageous stat. That's a, like a team stat you see. Oh, the, the Irish have t- 32 tackles for loss this year. It's like, oh, that's great. Yeah. And it's like this guy has been under the radar because of guys like Bryce Young and Jamison Williams just being, you know, all-world talent. But It's it's crazy. Well, you, I mean, Alabama produces now at every position. Like, But just if you think in the last five, six years, just two obvious positions where it's like, damn, like Bama is – can go five deep. It's D tackle. I mean, Jonathan Allen, uh, Deron Payne, uh, Delvin Quinn and Williams, Del, uh, Delvin Tomlinson. Just NFL first round pick mainstays, and Will Anderson is just the next in line. And then, I mean, you you can't forget about wideout. Just at, all over the yeah. field and all wideout. over the NFL. Them and them Jameson Williams and John Metzger are both gonna they're both gonna be and the two, top two. Round the picks. other thing about Anderson is he's almost a tweener where you could see him being like an Isaiah Simmons where yeah. you could put him anywhere on the field outside a cornerback and you know you could line him inside the tackle box outside the tackle box in you know in your back seven whatever it is like this kid is very special and. That is all that Cincinnati is game planning for. Is what they're game planning more for Will Anderson than than I don't know what they're Bryce game Young. Planning for. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what you can game plan. What like, are we gonna eat on the bus ride home, boys? Yeah. I mean, it's, their D coordinator is gonna have a long day, but Fickle might have a longer. I don't know. I really don't know like what you're supposed to do when you attack that team. So, Since he just seems yeah. so. I mean, they they had the statement win in South Bend. They knew they did what they had to they do. They deserved to be they in. They had a couple weeks off until they had to play, like, a legit SMU and Houston team. Still took care of business, but, I mean, like, Tulane, like, they've just yeah. been, like, kind of coasting, and it's you, – you can't have that kind of attitude. you got to be able to snap it and go. Like, where you saw Bama kind of coasted in a way where they beat, what – uh, Auburn by four, mm-hmm. and then they come out and they show up in the SEC championship and just rail Georgia. Yeah. So, like you got, I mean, since the great season, congrats to them. But it's like, you say, how do you? What's the recipe against Bama? And it's you just have animals up front that can just stop. Like Brian Robin, like that's why I like Georgia matching up against them. 
But Brian Robinson ran all over that that uh, and like just running the uh, Auburn stopped the run the whole game. They couldn't. Brian Robinson was getting a yard a carry against Auburn, and I guarantee I didn't watch the Texas A&M game, but I guarantee you Texas A&M was a lot of the same. You got to make, um, I mean, just take take away some part of their offense, and then Young, who's what is his first year start, and I mean, I'm sh- like he's been fantastic, but. If he if he gets to third and nines, third and eights, yeah. then it's it's a different football game, and I just think I can't not see Cincinnati getting manhandled up front the whole game. So and it's really a tempo thing too. Like if you're thinking like, okay, how do I want to neutralize Bama? If I'm like thinking like, okay, like Michigan's like who I know, like I've seen them all year, mm-hmm. like studied them closely. For me, it's like okay, they come out on offense first. Try and stop the TD. Try try and stop right. the TD because if you even let up a field goal and you can take that run offense down the field little by little, maybe a little trickery, maybe a good throw, mm-hmm. and we're in the end zone, you got to get that sense to believe against Bama. And that's what Texas A&M had. They obviously had the home crowd support. But if you start to believe you can, and, you know, that clock starts running and running and running and we get to the second half and you have those halftime adjustments, and if you can neutralize those, and you just got to play your game. And you if you get behind, you're done. Yeah. And I think I think the other thing is, and you see it with these with these group of five schools and these non power five teams that are really good teams. Like, uh, you know, I'm an NIU guy. My parents both both went there, and when they got the shot at Florida State, Jordan Lynch, I was really excited. They get the Orange Bowl bid. It was yep. huge. It was one of the biggest things in school history for them. You, regardless of if they're a better team, you just immediately see it's like wow. Every position on the field, Florida State is bigger, stronger, and faster. Even if they're not as talented, everyone, like, their offensive line was giving, like, an average of 60 pounds to the D-line of of Florida State. And I think you'll see that with Cincy. Like, Cincy's strongest part of their team is their secondary. They've had a great secondary. And that Houston game, it was was a one-point game at half, right? And Houston looked pretty good. The difference between a Houston and those other teams that Cincinnati's played, when you when you have a great secondary and you can get a team to third and third and long, you you got to stop because you, they, it, you yeah. don't have a they, no one's got a Houston doesn't have a quarterback that's going to push something down the field and make a big third down conversion. But how many times will there be a single time that Alabama isn't a third and long? Maybe a holding penalty, yeah. one stop to run, maybe. But it's going to be almost impossible for a smaller Cincy team to get into a place where their secondary can, you know, win them possessions. Because teams like Bama and Georgia and these other teams, even even Michigan's and, and Notre Dame's, they're just, and I know Cincy beat Notre Dame, but it's like if, if you're not taking the ball away and you're playing against a team that's fundamental on offense, and like you said, uh, Robinson was running all over Georgia, and Georgia was... I I had been touting how good great this Georgia defense was. I'll take that. Like Bama made them, you know, look like a sack lunch. But it was you will not see Cincy be able to get third down stops because it'll be third and short and you have a quarterback that can run. And that's the difference and man, like it's great for Cincinnati. They deserve it. Yeah, they uh, won yeah, all their taking games. Nothing away from yeah, them. but it's it is gonna be bad because Saban Saban <laughs> If Saban loses even a even a game, it's a revenge tour for the rest of the season. Yeah. Even though, you know, what is one game? They yeah. never lose. But he is not gonna you know, you don't you don't pull the dogs off. You don't call the dogs off in a semifinal and he has never done that and 
it could get bad. Uh, another conference championship I'd like to talk about is the Pick Pit Wake game. Very interesting. Game. Never thought I'd hear those words. Right? Uh, I think Pitt was like plus five thousand to win it because Clemson was the largest favorite in like Power Five uh, history yeah. to win their conference. Kenny Pickett's a dog. I mean, that guy has given his life to Pitt, his whole college career. He came in like week six as a freshman, took the job from the sidearm slinger Ben DiNucci <laughs> and uh, the uh, USC transfer Max Brown, and just never took his foot off the gas. Uh, I, I feel like him being a Heisman finalist and a ACC champion is just the best way, and maybe even a Peach Bowl champion could be the best way for this guy's career to go out. And uh, I think whatever on everyone's mind from that game is the, the little fake slide. Uh, that was an interesting play there, taking a lot of heat for that, especially the Wake fans and even just fans of college football. I'd love to what hear is Wake your guys' stop take him, on you know? that. You know, uh, yeah. I mean, Pickett's great. It was great individual performance. I, I, I can see where everybody's having, like, because all the quarterback hits and all this late hits, they, the game of football has never been more flagged ever right. in the history of the game than it is now. So I can see people, um, what's it called, just getting upset about that, but... If you if they want to like it wasn't in the rule book that he couldn't do that. Yeah. So it's like you can't get if, mad at Pickett. A, if you want like Pickett just took advantage of something. If you want to make it a rule, make it a rule. You know what I mean? Like, it would just be so subjective a rule where yeah. it's like, oh, is he stumbling? Yeah. Is he is he trying to go down? Like he's a physical runner and and the one th- I I like, love you can that. You tell me play. he's not the kind of guy to like not put his shoulder down. Right. And that's where if like if you look at that play, all right, he's already ripping a big run. He could have just been like, I'm going to slide him and say, wait, there's a little gap. If I squeeze through there, I'm gone for 60 yards. And little fake slide and just took off. And, yeah, and that's an intuitive play. And I think, the, I, think the, I think the other thing that people that are mad about this are missing is it can any player can give themselves up. You know, yeah. it's not just for the quarterback. A, a wide receiver or a running back can give themselves up and slide down and it then becomes the same rule. A player that gave themselves up, you can't hit them at all. Whatever it is, that's so, the other rule. As a quarterback, when he runs, he's treated like another. He's treated he's a like runner. a wide receiver after he just caught a ball. Yeah, or a running back who's in the second level. Yeah, and you know, I don't. I don't know that you could ever enforce that rule, and it would just. It would be as bad as when was that last year, two years ago? They did the trial on the uh, reviewing PIs, mm-hmm. and that was just an absolute shit show. Yeah, and. Thank God they got rid of it because it's a joke. But I don't know that you could enforce it because you know if they did that picket, oh I, I'm stum- I was just stumbled a little. Yeah. I was never gonna go down. Like, what am I scared of this wake safety that hasn't made yeah. a play all year? You know they they're winning games 55 to 51. Like yeah. And I I mean it's kind of like I've seen guys and Rogers does this a lot in Green Bay is where he'll scramble for four or five yards and he knows no one can touch him because. Because those officials absolutely love calling guys for even sniffing at Aaron Rodgers, where he's getting to the sideline, the guy slows up and he'll you know just scurry forward for a yard, another yard and a half. Yep. And guys have done that, and and I know it's hard because of the late hits and the and the personal fouls and and whatever it is, high hit, low hit, whatever it is. But unless unless they can find another way to enforce it, I think the the rational decision would just be kind of simmer down on calling everything and kind of loosen it up 
still protect the quarterback in the pocket, whatever, hit to the head, okay, flag. But outside of that, let him let him get hit. Not if it's if it's a egregious hit, if he's two yards out of bounds, or if you fly into him and spear him, throw the flag. Yeah, like but other than that, sliding and you go down on him. Other like than that, that the game we're talking about is American football, and that's the reason Amer- That's the reason why it's the biggest sport in America. Is people love that. Like that's why I had so much fun watching that Baylor Oklahoma State game. That Baylor team was laying the wood. I have not seen a harder hitting game in a long time, in college or the pros, because. Guys give themselves up. Guys go out of bounds. There's not many guys that, you know, receivers, quarterbacks that are fighting for extra yards once they get, you know, outside the numbers. They're usually going out of bounds to, you know, uh, for longevity, whatever it is. But, man, like there's nothing better than seeing you – can, you can lay the wood and you can hit hard while not being dirty, you know, and that needs to be – that needs to come back because – there are so many – these officials just love taking the game into their own hands. And in that Baylor game, I, I was saying, me and Marty are watching it, I go, there is going to be a back-breaking P.I. call on this possession. When Oklahoma State, it was drive down the field, score, and you win, and you might be in. And what happened there at, like, the 23rd down, just a, just a call that, yeah, maybe could have been P.I. That receiver was kind of given a little O.P.I. all game, but it's like – you need to understand that this game has been it's been even game it's been called even so far for the most part you cannot take these games into your hands and make the game about you yeah if fair. it's not egregious if you're not getting pulled to the ground or getting face masked hold bite the whistle hold the laundry absolutely absolutely um, should we segment that into Heisman finalists Go for it. Uh, young, heavy favorite. I think one of the biggest favorites we've seen in, I think, I believe most sports book have him at minus 2,000 to win the award. Uh, that's just crazy. Um, I like four. I like it. Uh, there's always going to be argument. There really is. Um, I look at the Heisman Award as an individual award, obviously. It is, so you're supposed to take into account a whole season, a whole body of work like that. But you also got to look at, okay, most of these teams schedule their bigger games that are going to have a lot of repercussions in the end. Yeah. Like, for instance, like like an MSU team had, like, Michigan and Ohio State right at the end, and Penn State. I mean, Michigan had Penn State and Ohio State. And you also, so that success later, you know, you always hear, November is your game, your your Heisman month, you know. Mm -hmm. Where are you going to cement yourself? You got your last four weeks. Going in, are you going into your conference championship? Are you not? It's also part a team award. You look at, they're only going to take away guys from really good teams who are really, like, prevalent on the scene. So, to me, that's why Hutchinson is in. The obvious hype around Michigan, and mostly within the last month of November and this first week of December, and he showed up in the Penn State game on the road. You know, not like a tough, tough game, but whenever you're playing a ranked Big Ten team on the road, especially Penn State, Beaver Stadium gets rocking. It's a hard game. Ohio State, obviously a hard game. That's a game Michigan hadn't won in a decade, pretty yeah. much. So to show out in that and then to kind of top it off with, hey, last game before the ballots get sent in, I'm going to go get a couple sacks, a couple tackles, really show out, lead my team to a 42-3 victory. He... That's why he's in. You know, you see his stats get compared to a lot of other people. They don't check out. But 
it's that's where you factor in all three of those things I said, and that's where we get Hutchinson. Yeah, Stroud was phenomenal all season too. He had the numbers. He had the yeah. numbers. You you get a number QB, you get the best QB. Right. We get other, and then who's the other guy? Pickett. Yeah. Pickett is a guy who I said this earlier. I mean, he has played his whole career at Pitt leading up to this. The dude is now a Heisman finalist. He's an ACC champion. He could be a Peach Bowl champion. I mean, this guy's been working. He's Pitt's all. He just passed Dan Marino. He's yeah. Pitt's all-time touchdown. Yeah. So, like, it's phenomenal for me to see the committee reward a guy like this who has the numbers, but it's kind of really almost like a longevity and career thing right, where, yeah. where he's there. And I think he deserves it in my eyes. I'd, I'd love to see a guy like that there. You know, I'm just thinking about this now, but um, being that, say, all these guys, you know, anything can happen. You're in the fi- you're a finalist, right? Any one of these guys could win the award. Hutchinson is a finalist. Is the last defensive player to win the Heisman? It's Charles Woodson, right? You're right. Another another Wolverine. Yeah, true. Imagine that. Imagine and, twenty years later, twenty five years later, the the next defensive Heisman winner. That, and one. the that, last that school just defense. loves. I was gonna say they just love winning at random positions. Yeah. They, you got a DB Desmond and a wideout. The receiver just, slash punt return. Yeah, yeah no. The last uh, <laughs> defensive player to be a finalist was Jabril. I don't even remember that. And guys. then before I think it was Teo. Uh, yeah, Teo, and then before that, Adamakin Sue. Yeah. So you have it. They show up, but a lot of times they finish last in their right hierarchy, which. I think it will, but like Hutchinson's not really going into that thinking he's going to win. It's more the honor of being. Yeah, invited. it's the honorary thing. Um, it's really young. It was youngs to lose, and he just cemented it, in my opinion. I was just one last note on Pickett. I don't know if you guys. I was just thinking about this right now. You know who reminds me of a lot is Herbert. Just yeah. down down the street, like he that looks tall, like that it. tall QB Mechanical. who's like been been at your the program for a couple of years, been a beast. But they never really could get breakthrough, and then you break through in that conference championship win, and then you go to the New Year's Six, and, yeah. and Herbert cemented with that Rose Bowl win. If he had three rushing if Pickett, touchdowns, Pickett wins the uh, the Peach Bowl. I mean, he might be fast. Like he already is fast tracked, but Herbert just shot up his senior year. So I mean, it'll be interesting. You know, I I think I, they got Pickett at one, number one overall uh, quarterback. Yeah, and no, as he should be. I didn't see enough of Pitt this year to make like a huge, you know kind of designation on who he is but the look the size the allure i get with the herbert thing um i don't think he has the arm just because no one has the herbert arm except maybe josh allen but i i love it because you know i'm not a pit guy by any means uh whatever but it's cool to see these teams that have kind of they're under the radar because they're 500 teams most of the time they don't really play in big games because maybe Pitt's one big game a year is against Clemson and Clemson wipes the floor with them. But as a as a Notre Dame fan that really doesn't like Pitt, it's I did like seeing him get the nod because the kid plays his ass off and he's done it for a while and yeah, he's a he's a he's a very good finalist. I think they I think they made the right call with putting him in there. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, agree. I like the four finalists. It's uh I mean, college football has been crazy. Should we uh, should we talk about uh, all this coaching the changes? The coaching carousel yeah. and yeah. how it goes around. God, it's been it's just been a sport that's making news for for weeks now. Um, so first, I mean, as an Irish fan, we we got to get into Brian Kelly. I mean, 
How about that? Like you leave, you leave a top five program in college football, arguably one of the most well known jobs in in the whole sport too. And really in sports. Yeah, head no, coach in Notre Dame is a top, maybe a top five honor. job in sports. It is an yeah. honor. I mean, you get those those gold helmets. I mean, I'm getting chills talking about it. I'm not even really a fan. Yeah. I mean, my goodness. Uh, but, 95 mil. I mean, wow. Wow. They really threw him the bag. And it was, I don't know if you saw this, this quick thing. They did a, uh, I saw these clips from his, like, inaugural kind of presser. and I think it was in LSU's uh, basketball stadium where they kind of filled it, you know, fan, mm-hmm. whole thing. And he was talking in this, like, southern accent. Yeah. And it totally was just, I go, this, gumbo. this guy is such a dickhead. I actually... I, Marty broke the news to me. It was what Monday night, last yeah. Monday night, and I, I was taken aback just because of where we were, and we yeah. were looking at the projections had us looking at basically a fifty-fifty shot to make the playoff, mm-hmm. and it's like really you're gonna do this to these kids and in this spot. But the more I thought about it, the more it just made sense for Brian Kelly to be the guy to do that. Marty also told me that he is. There's been two times that a coach left a power or a power five program after an eleven win season, and five were it was five went to the NFL, five retired, and two left to go to another college team, and both times were Brian Kelly. Yeah, no, it's yeah twelve times a coach leaves after eleven wins. Two, the only one to to laterally transfer in college is Kelly, and And that's what makes me beg the question: Is Notre Dame with this current playoff format a stepping stone job in the way because if you look at it Notre Dame obviously the job what we just said we all agreed it's one of the best jobs in sports it is one of the it's top tier in college football it's an honor it's glory it's Notre Dame got yeah. football country um, but you have to be perfect I mean Brian Kelly came from Cincinnati and he's pretty much walking on the same eggshells yes he gets to play better coaches better opponents um, in recent years, they've gotten the six-game schedule with the ACC, mm-hmm. which has been great. You got to see them play Clemson twice last year. Yeah, almost three times. <laughs> almost three. But if you you have to walk on eggshells in that 12-game season, yeah. and if you look at how the committee values and they're going to rank their top four, the number one takeaway is conference championship. That's why the Big 12 ended up getting one, because TCU and Baylor got left out. Yeah. I mean, so it, you need that conference championship. And Notre Dame at least has the brand recognition and knows how to play championship caliber football where if they do go 12-0, they're in. They're, that's Well, that's the thing. The equivalent to a conference championship is Notre Dame going undefeated. Yes. That's like winning it. And what I would say to that is obviously we've gotten shown up in some playoff games and, you know, everyone brings up the record we've had in BCS New Year's Six Bowls in the last decade or two. But... The one thing I like I think about is, so we almost made our third, we were a couple plays away from making our third playoff, and was that 2015 when we, lo- when we lost at the one-yard line to Clemson on that two-point conversion? Uh, that year, we ended up, it was winning in against Stanford in our last game. So we flirted with four playoff appearances. We made two. We didn't show up well for them. But I think I think because Notre Dame is Notre Dame, there will always be that recipe. And I think yeah. the only the only reason we had a shot this year is because a lot of those other teams. I mean, part of Cincinnati's in, and usually, 
usually you know, okay, one or two SEC teams is getting in, then probably Ohio State, and then it's between you and Clemson and maybe in Oklahoma. So because of how the landscape has been, there's always that route. There, I think there always is a feasible route for Notre Dame. Yeah. But I do think, I mean, you look at Brian Kelly, becomes the most winningest coach in Notre Dame history and dips and then says, I want to, because I want to win a national championship. It's like, no, dude, shut your damn mouth. You don't know what you're talking about. You're completely just, just, uh, you know, selective memory. You've had the opportunity to do so. Yeah. And you laid an egg every time and, I talked about Saban never getting out coached. Kelly's a guy that got out coached a lot. Yep. A lot. The difference between him and other guys that have been there before him, like Weiss and whoever, he recruited and got some of our best classes in history. And I honestly think, I thought last year, um, well, the last two years, it's like, oh, we could have won this national championship if it wasn't for just having these, the best Bama team I've ever seen and the best LSU team I've ever had, I've seen. But. It is what it is. I think that I think that Notre Dame could be a, could win a national championship. I think they're in the same boat with Michigan, even though Michigan's in a conference. Too. I guess that's really isn't what I was trying to say. Yeah, no, I have a, I have two points yeah, on go that. Ahead, Mark. Um, so about the whole stepping on eggshells, and you got to be careful as Notre Dame. Chuck brought up the two years where they were, the committee is has valued a one loss Notre Dame. Yeah, a, and that's been been very close to a playoff. So you're looking ahead to next season, Ohio State, Clemson, and it's going to be an improved USC with Riley. So you go two for three in those games, win the rest, they're going to be right there. Yeah. So it's it'll be interesting. And my other point about it being a stepping stone is after this, after all these other jobs that we're going to talk about, where, like a guy like Freeman now, if you, you're looking at these other programs that have a shot, quote-unquote, to, to go to a natty, it's all these jobs are filled. What what is he get? Is Freeman gonna really laterally move to Florida or something like that? Like I you don't Why? see something like Why? that. So it it wouldn't make sense unless like the Alabama like if Saban retires or something. You know yeah. what I mean? Like if all these or retiring all these, that would be the yeah. like because it's the same schools every year that that are right around there, and it's like Ryan Day's not gonna go anywhere. Yeah. Like so I don't know. It it'll be I think. Um, well, like, Kelly stayed for a while. 12 years, 12 yeah. years, and he became the all-time winner. It's just, I feel in the SEC and the Big Ten, you get the burn game. You get the, you just burn it. It's done. Like, okay, Ohio State, win and they're in. They right. had the burn game against Oregon. Michigan yeah. had the burn game and against I thought, Oh, yeah, that done. is true. You, you do, you do get that new life with the conference championship. Because That's it's, true. oh, guess yeah. what? If we're you can Alabama, loss, we're going to end Oklahoma up playing State. Georgia. We can't yeah. redeem a loss. You can't. Exactly. And a that's conference the, that's the eggshells yeah. throughout the 12 no, yeah, weeks. That's a very good point, yeah. And if you go 12-0, and 0, the committee's shown they value that. They even show how much they value 11-1 and 1 Notre Dame compared to even, like, 11-1 and 1 Oklahoma. But Oklahoma has that extra game to play. Hey, we're going to play 15th, 9th-ranked Oklahoma State, Baylor, whoever it is. And that's another top 15 win if yeah. they get. So it's like, okay, they're conference champions, another top 15 win. They have to jump 11-1 and one Notre Dame. And I feel that's what we see unless they're undefeated, and that's like how I and hate the And one of the – and I get, I get that, and you also see in this – it, to me, I don't know that we – I could make an argument that we deserved it more, but I, I had this thought in the back of my mind the whole, the whole like, last four or five weeks of the season that – 
since he was going to finish 12 and 0 and then lose the their conference championship and they'd have the same record as Notre Dame but I would take Notre Dame over him. But I was like the whole city of Cincy is going to burn to the ground cuz they're going to put ND ahead of a yeah. one loss Cincy team that beat them straight up. And that that's more along the lines of that would be with anyone like if Cincy had beaten Michigan if they had happened to play Michigan and it was the yeah. same kind of deal but it's like that the non-power 5 teams they kind of get screwed every year. Like Cincy, they had to go twelve yeah, and zero with the conference. They're constantly on eggshells, and that's what I feel with Brian Kelly coming from Cincy, who really just kind of did exactly what Fickle's done the he past had a great two program, years. Man, yeah. And he wanted to go to Notre Dame, get a better shot, and now he's at LSU to get a better shot. So, what do you guys, uh, what do you guys think is uh, is this going to be similar to? I was just watching uh, Trojan War the other night, which is a great, great thirty for thirty, but. Carroll came in, and I think they went 6-6 six and six their first year and then went on, like, the longest winning Dynasty, streak in history. Yeah. But do you think USC is – are they going to have that same, you know, rhetoric as Texas? Like, oh, Lincoln Riley's in. We just gave him, you know, nine digits or whatever. Are they back? Like, um, what, like you have to think with Lincoln Riley, his pedigree – that man can coach quarterbacks, and it's Southern California and California in general is littered with five-star Rice quarterbacks. Day, like, right there. What? Think of you, guys USC's had in the uh, – JT Daniels, five-star Keaton Slovis, five-star – all these – Sam they, Darnold, Matt they're Barkley. All, yeah, they're all – USC has been just a quarterback uh, factory, and, I mean, obviously these guys don't pan out sometimes, but Riley's going to be – he's going to have his talent that he's going to be able to work with. And it'll be it'll come down to the trenches, I think, with this USC team. They're going to be high powered on offense, but yeah. if they if they have these these bum defenses like Riley's had in the past, it, it'll be interesting. Especially if they if in two years or something they're going twelve and one with a cupcake Pac twelve schedule and they right. they get the four seed. They're going to the get loss, with that loss being Notre Dame. It's going to yeah. be it's going to be. Uh, What's it called? Another the same Lincoln Riley story we've seen in the past. Yeah, that's Oklahoma. It, I, it'll be a carbon copy. I so. do agree with that, but I also think if you factor in how good he was in Norman, Oklahoma, at getting guys yeah. to get him to a position, if you put him in SoCal, I mean, from a recruiting perspective, hey, you want to live in LA? Hey, you're a five-star quarterback. I'm Lincoln Riley. I like to coach great quarterbacks. Hollywood. I had two of them Hollywood's in the Heisman. I mean, you know, you can bring that, but he's a very young, personable guy. I just, to me, it's like, all right, let's take success at Oklahoma. Let's just ramp it up a little bit. That's what we're going to get with him at USC. And Since yeah. Pete Carroll, they have had idiots coaching yeah, USC. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. Who Absolute is, idiots. They had Sarkeesian. Al- alcoholic Meltdown, Lane Sarkeesian. Kiffin, yeah. Meltdown. I mean, who, uh, yeah. Who was the guy who just got fired? I don't even yeah, know. He's some, Next he's some guy dumbass. on the list. Yeah. Next yeah. guy on the list. So I, I, I admire them for saying, hey, where have we seen... Okay, parallel, NFL, uh, Sean McVay's in L.A., young, hip, knows the new offense, right. yada, yada. Fits the he mold. Fits the mold for the L.A. I like how they were a lot like, oh, let's take a chance on him. They've been doing that since Pete Carroll. They said, you know what, let's just, we have it, let's go throw it at him. Okay, it was, it was just as easy as that. Yeah, and <laughs> there was a quote from Lendale White in the Trojan War where he was talking about getting recruited to USC, and he was like, he had all these schools, you know, coming after him. He was the top running back in the country. And, and he goes, you know, I get that. Pete Carroll comes down. He's like, hey, you got Hollywood calling. Yeah. You say, you're going to say no to Hollywood? Like, that's kind of what it is. And I think that is 
even bigger for quarterbacks because it's like, uh, yeah. especially now when you can build your brand as a college athlete that you haven't done before, there is no better place in the world to be than Hollywood. With NIL, in my opinion, USC is the best job to have in college football with NIL. Because, yeah, there's so much money in Los Angeles. Commercial. You know, you're on commercials. You're getting, you know, extra gigs in movies. Like Matt Leiner, there now. Yeah, you can be an extra in a movie. You can be in a music video. (laughs) I mean, it's all this stuff. And and they've had a history of doing that. And they had a Heisman guy lose it because of that. Now they can legally do it. Yeah. I mean, he can Lincoln Riley can literally look at Pete Carroll's script and say, "Oh, sweet, I can do Snoop that." Snoop come back on the sidelines. I can yeah. do that now and give this guy X amount of dollars and this because he's getting it from NIL. Yeah. So just take the script, and I, I think they're going to be great. I mean, with with uh, Oregon looking like they just lost their head coach. I mean, the Pac-12 has just been a shit show really for yeah. the past couple of years outside of Oregon and Mariota making the playoff. I mean, nothing really going on there. So I think it's a great fit. I do. Yeah, and I mean, that's another thing. It's like, who won? Who was the best team in the Pac-12 this year? Utah. Utah and Oregon. Utah absolutely demolished Oregon twice. 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 And Oregon, with USC down, is the program yeah. on the West Coast. Not Utah. Yeah. No one... No one really, you know, pays attention to you to Utah till late November when they're playing in a if they make it into the into the Pac-12 championship game and it's like, "Oh, Oregon, it's hard to beat a team twice." They absolutely smoked them. So, Utah, well, they Utah's always solid. You know, they'll they'll always be a thorn in in some of the major team side in the West Coast, but like if if USC can't reestablish themselves with Lincoln Riley, that program is done. Dude. One thing I'd like to add about the Lincoln Riley thing too. Did you see the total contract breakdown? Did you see that? No. I saw something about cars million, and houses. 110 million. USC is buying both his homes in Norman because his thing was, "Hey, I don't want to leave here. I'm just building this new house that I'm going to move in. I have two houses right now." They said, "That's cool. We'll buy them for a half a million over asking price. So that's a million dollar signing bonus pretty much." They're also going to put him up in a $6 million home in L.A. And then just to top it all off, they're going to say, you know what? We love you. We love your family. They can use our private jet whenever they want. 24-7 <laughs> access to that. How do you turn that down? No, yeah. And it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a dream. That's like you're literally in a dream. Yeah, like, in this that is everything house. I could ask for, I think, in a coaching job. And that's why I say USC being private, being in L.A., has the ability to do all these things. And they that did. might be the greatest job not talking about coaching, just the greatest job yeah. in the world. Like with yeah, perks you're, and money. I mean, you're, you're at the worst. You're making eleven million a year, yeah. way more than you'll need. And yeah, you get access to everything is paid for. It's almost like I remember when I was young. It was like, oh, the president only makes four hundred thousand yeah. dollars. Like that's crazy. He's the leader of the free world. It's like yeah, but you. Th- the president has never spent a cent of his own money yeah. while he's in office, and then he never free has to pay. Free health care, too, for they, life. They, ne- they never have to pay a cent for anything ever in their lives. So it's it's different, but it's almost like the money doesn't even matter. You got your house paid for. You got your cars given to you. 
and you're in Hollywood and a six yeah. million dollar home that's just just stay here. Yeah, just stay here as long as you want. Thank God USC can shell out for a Hollywood Hills home, but the NCAA they got to keep these kids in line. Though. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah they can't, can't put they cream can't, cheese yeah, on a bagel. Can't can't put can't give them a Chipotle gift card. Nope. That would be holy hell. It'd so just stop money the wise, <laughs> the money wise, a deal that could have come close. I was hearing that uh, LSU went after Jimbo try and get him for the job. I was hearing 125 for eight years, which is a lot, a lot of money. So that maybe perks came out if they actually got the talking going. But to hear Jimbo not want to go to LSU and pivot from Texas A&M, I really like that. I, I don't know why you it's would It's apparently want to. his dream job. That's what he said. Well, I don't know why you'd want to do that. I mean, you just moved to playing Alabama and playing in their side of the SEC. And – why? And A and M is like they're always sniffing around the like when the first playoff rankings come out, it's usually like them and Notre Dame, kind of like five and six, you know, mm-hmm. because they usually get a loss in the SEC, but they're really good mm-hmm. and they have some great classes coming in. Also, they have, their class this year is stacked. Yeah, they're almost like two stacked. They have like a they get like nearing like Georgia standard classes, and and you know it's it's wild, but. You know that is crazy to think a hundred twenty five million dollars, dude. It, it's I was gonna make a point. What are Alabama and that, that's the SEC West, right? Or is that whatever? Wait, wait, yeah, Texas A&M might be in. I think they're no, both they're in, the they're in Alabama's, but yeah, just, they're in the West. That's my so bad. now the coaches in the West. It's Nick Saban, Jimbo Fisher, Brian Kelly, Lane Kiffin, Mike Leach. Um, and I, there's who's the last team? Oh well, it's all oh, Miss, right? Aren't yeah, that, that's Kiffin. And um, what? It's the one team. It's Auburn. Brian Harson, that dumbass, not going for like <laughs> yeah, just he's literally out of his element. What yeah. the hell is gonna happen now? So those are all superstar, like huge big name, dog coaches. Big, yeah. But um, yeah, speaking of big dog coaches, kind of under the radar coaches that have been really thrown out, really for excellence, just being great coaches. Uh, Fickle and Matt Campbell, you know, people for the past couple of years have been asking, are they going to take the jump? Are they going to go to a destination job? I, I can see why Fickle didn't after last year and not even this year. It's like, hey, we're in the playoff. I mean, that's what every team tries to do. So right. we'll, we'll, I'm going to stay with this. And, you know, if he can keep going 12-0, and he's been building, like you saw with UCF, they had the great season. They beat Auburn, and then they came the next season, had another good season, but lost to LSU, and that was kind of the end of that. Where this year they're stringing together a 12-0, and lost to Georgia on a heartbreaker last year, come back better than ever saying, hey, you know, we're going to go undefeated this year, run the table, started out ranked high. So, like, next year it's like if, if they lose to Bama, which, I mean, I think we all think they will, wh- I mean, where do they sit at for, like, next year being ranked? Like, I would assume, like, top, top 10, 10, where it's like, okay, since he's, like, once again in a position to climb. And so I can see why Fickle wouldn't leave. Are they – I think the big question is, like, so the reason that Ohio State is usually competitive with those teams like Bama and Clemson and Georgia is because outside of the South – this kind of part of the Midwest produces some of the best players in the country, and most of those players go to Ohio State. Ohio right? is a top five high school football state. Yeah, and, which is it's and it's not it's crazy to think because it's California, Florida, Texas, Texas and then just Ohio. Yeah. You know, maybe and, New Jersey too. Yeah, had a lot of and and it's like so most of these guys, these powerhouse kids in the Midwest, they go you know to Columbus. 
and it's just it's tough for me to think and I'm not taking anything away from what Fickle's done and what those kids have done there but do you really think it's sustainable where you're going to be Cincinnati's going to be poaching guys from Michigan, Notre Dame, and Ohio State who really dominate the Midwest in recruiting. It's going to be tough, but, I mean, he did it this year. I think it could help level it out, though. I mean, if you look at it, okay, around Ohio, you got Mel Tucker, Jim Harbaugh, I mean, hell, James Franklin coming in from the east, and then Luke Fickle and Ryan Day. Those are five guys right around the area who are preying on Detroit players, New Jersey players, Pennsylvania, and all of Ohio and Illinois. Yeah. So I think it could work out where if, if they get if they have another good like maybe recruiting class, bring some guys back, they have plug in some pieces, get ranked in the top ten against next year. Like if they have another twelve and 0 season, like people are gonna want to be a part of that because it might turn into something where it's wow, I got a great coach I'd love to play for. And let's be honest, it could be an easy path to the playoff. It really could. And right. it's like, okay, I, I like Cincy. I, I like the city. I like the program. I like the coach. We let's, just got to be go Houston. Let's, we let's be go win Houston. 13 football Let's games. win the games we should and then be Houston yeah. and we can get in because this year proved So it. I'd like to see it if he stayed. It could really, since he stays to be good, it could really shake up the landscape in Midwest and uh, kind of going towards the East Coast recruiting where a lot of the Big Ten coaches make their living. Yeah. And a point on Campbell, I mean, just thinking about where college football is at right now, he just screams Oregon with Cristobal going to Miami. Just you're, it's it's a good move for him. Get a Big Twelve where it's pretty open conference. You would say like we said, yeah. Oklahoma State, Baylor. You go to the Pac twelve. It's what he's got to do with Riley. Like you're gonna be able to recruit up there, and you were already dealing with it's, Riley. It, yeah, exactly. So you're in a conference where it's pretty Pac twelve cupcakes everywhere. So it's pretty open. And H, he's gonna Oregon will, will have that Phil Knight money, so right, yeah, yeah. it'll be go to Nike Town. Yeah, yeah. I, that just that just seems like an ideal fit for Campbell. Yeah, I hadn't going. thought about that, but it, that it does yeah, make a lot I of like sense, that. and I think he should because he's a good coach. I don't think he's as good as Fickle, but like because I think they've had some they've had some great talent um, come through Iowa State that they haven't normally had, and obviously last year they had their huge. They won. They won the Big Twelve last year, right? They beat Oklahoma. Yeah, or, they, they were really good last year. Or they yeah. might have lost that game. The one, no, they won the regular. Two season. years ago, um, they lost. Iowa State was like eight. They lost to Notre Dame in that uh, bowl game. Yeah, Brock Purdy. Yeah, his coaching tree is very interesting. Bowling Green is a GA. Mount Union OC and O line comes back to BG to be O line. Uh, stays there until he departs in O nine. To be the O line coach at Toledo, then becomes O line and OC, and then head coach at Toledo until getting to Iowa State. So he really hasn't. He's been in one Power Five program, and that's Iowa State. Mm -hmm. So I could see him. I mean, if you're Campbell, do you would you rather take an Oregon job that could be very fitting? I like that you brought that up. Or do you kind of want to make a make a buddy and, and be the OC? And wait until, like, hey, let's... A bigger job? Yeah, opens. like, hey, let's go... I don't know, let's just... Hypothetical, let's say... Ohio like, State's... Yeah, like Ohio State or, El, or Brian Kelly's, like, hey, you want to come be the OC? Like, you saw how Joe Brady was proficient, and it was, like, oh, immediate job after that. You have a season He's, of, like, that caliber. Him, yeah, the one, I, that was yeah. stupid. I don't know why they the, fired The him. one thing I'll say about that is the same thing happened to Dave Aranda. He got paid, <coughs> excuse me, the most... 
to be LSU's D coordinator. Orgeron got him for so much money. They paid him, whatever, two mil or something. And he's at Baylor. It's a good job. He's obviously just won the Big 12 championship. But it's like, so Campbell, you realistically, you go to LSU, you're their highest, whatever, highest paid OC. Really, like, is another job like Oregon ever going to open up for you? Unless unless he's thinking OC in the NFL or something like that. But Yeah, I feel like that'd be, that'd be a lateral move. Yeah, I, I get that, but it's like winning. You know, it's like, do you really... And especially, all the burden is on you as a head coach. Like, we've seen a lot of turnover with Oregon. I mean, like, is Matt Campbell, he could be. Don't get me wrong. I like the Fed. I think it could be a good fit. But if they're done with him, like, after that, it's kind of like, all right, does he take the OC job then after that? It's just like, that. if he kind of fails at Oregon, it's back to OC or low bottom head coach. You know, because it's like, He's a great coach. I just think that maybe a move because he just doesn't really have the power five experience. Well, if you look at the last two Oregon coaches, Taggart got the bag at Florida State to stink, yeah. and he's gone. So he got the he got so much money, and now Cristobal just got the bag at Miami. So the last two coaches at Oregon have succeeded because it's yeah. a place where you go to succeed with all of that money and flair. That's fair. And I, I, it would just make so much sense. So, yeah, I guess you could see him kind of following in Taggart's path, maybe go to Oregon and then go to FSU. I like Norvell, though, what he's doing there right now. But yeah. just, a, just something I wanted to bring up. Do you do you think? Do you guys think that uh, Miami's a better job than Oregon? Well, I think they, if they you have connections. Because he played yeah, there, and so he was you, great there. But outside of that, if you're, if you're, if you're Campbell, right, and you get offers from Oregon to be the head coach at Oregon or Miami, which one do you think as just, I want to go win somewhere, I want to do great things? Oregon? Oregon. Yeah, it's an easier path in Oregon. The one, I mean, you could just say, both have their pedigrees, but Miami's got, like, what, four national championships or something like that? Yeah. So I mean, just what Marty said, though, it's like, really, you're just competing against Lincoln Riley now. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, Mano Herm Mano. Edwards got the boys in shape and uh and temp. Chip Kelly with Dorian Thompson Robinson is a beast, yeah. but other than that, they got nothing at U- yeah. UCLA. So and he's gone, or is he gone? Chip Kelly? Sure. Thought he was there. Dorian Thompson. Uh, yeah, they, he's been there for a millennium. So yeah. and he's he's a beast, but he's gone. So UCLA's gonna have nothing next year. Yeah. Um, kind of last thing on the coaching carousel. Big Ten East coaches are here to stay. I mean, Ryan Day has been phenomenal uh, outside of. What is deemed unacceptable, losing to Michigan. Right. He has uh, been phenomenal. Uh, Mel Tucker has the boys in East Lansing in great For shape. For no reason. For, yeah. Um, Jim Harbaugh just kind of cut his contract in half, made it incentive-based, and got all the incentives this year. So he's back. And uh, kind of a shocker to me, Penn State was happy with James Franklin and thought they could get more out of him, I, I think, believe, for the next decade. I think so. that they, the only explanation is that they love going 8 and 4 and they're fine with going yeah. 8 and 4 for the next 10 for, years. And then the one season where you go 10 and 1 or 11 and 1 and then make win the Big 10 East somehow because you beat Ohio State and then you get kicked out of the playoff because Ohio State was I guess better than you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, what's it called? James Franklin. Franklin, I I in my opinion think that was a panic extension with they saw the writing on the wall at, at some of these massive programs that there were going to be head coaching jobs opening, and they're like, all right, we, we got to keep our guy like right away and just gave him money. Well, and now it, it's 
I, that's I, a I, tough job to take though, and that's part of the reason. He took why it I right really, after all that shit too. Yeah, I, it was O'Brien. Yeah. Oh yeah, still, it was O'Brien. I really do commend Mel Tucker for getting in there. I mean, Franklin, he did win uh, a Big Ten championship. And he's had a couple good seasons. No, I think he's a good so coach. So he's a good coach. He'll have him, but he'll have you, him competitive. So in those Mel games Tucker coming years. into the East saying, okay, I got to deal with Ryan Day. Yeah, Jim Harbaugh's been 500 against MSU. So that's winnable, but you know he's still a pretty good coach who had, gets 10 win seasons. And then even Indiana's coach, Indiana's been trending in the right direction really up until this year. They kind of fell off. But, and then. Franklin, there at Penn State, who they won. So really commend Mel Tucker for – it's a lot to take on to get in there and say, hey, I'm going to be coaching against James Franklin, Jim Harbaugh, and Ryan Day every single year. Like, that's a lot in interconference. And we were just talking about that with the SEC, just absolute behemoths in the division coaching. Yeah. There, there, is, some, there is something about – I don't know. It seems like coaching in the Big Ten is, is far different than – anywhere else just because there's more parity in the Big Ten every year so you to be noticed as a very good coach and a very accomplished coach you don't need to be Nick Saban and yeah you know if you win 10 games in the Big Ten with a Penn State or a Michigan State it's like you did a hell of a job yeah because it's tough all, winning on the road and it yeah it's all it's you, tough half your game half your season is in you're playing in some of the most hostile environments in college football, and it's like you you win a couple of those games, like you're James Franklin, and you go you know you go into um, Wisconsin and beat Wisconsin. It's like that's that's huge, you know. That's a reason to keep them around. But um, I just don't like the guy personally, and I'm not I'm not saying he's not a good coach, but I thought I'm like ten. Were they given ten years or something? Some some crazy yeah yeah some outrageous. It's like. Is he really? Is he gonna do? I mean, I don't know. It's do you believe you can win a national championship at Penn State? I think the only reason you'd give a guy that many years and that much money is because you can believe he can do it. So, I guess they believe he can do it. Um, I definitely do not. I mean, but. Michigan believed he could do it, and he's there. True. I mean, he did it. So yep. you got to have that belief. Uh, should we get into New Year's Six? Yeah, let's. I I'd like to get um, your guys' picks for all the games. Um, I'll go right down the line. I got Bama, obviously winning. Uh, I like I like Michigan. I really do. I think they're a team of destiny. I think they've always been the Ohio, as of, especially as of recent. I felt in 2016 it was a di- pretty much direct parallel team where it was, we're very good, mm-hmm. but Ohio State's very good too. Whichever very good team is going to win is going to be in the playoff and have an obvious chance to compete for the national championship. Um, I like Michigan in that game. Uh, Narduzzi revenge game, Pitt versus MSU. I love Pitt in that. Love, love Pitt. Um, I think Ohio State might win by infinity points <laughs> against Utah. Uh, I like I like the lane train. I do. I want to get I want to get on the lane train. I'm gonna take Ole Miss, and then just because ND shits the bed every time they play a meaningful game in January or December, I'm gonna take OK State. Yeah. Um, all right. I like Bama and Bama to cover. I like Georgia with Michigan to cover. Um, wait, what's the spread in this pit? Um, Michigan State three. Oh, pit. State's pit is, favored? Uh, no, they're plus three and a half. I was going to say, wow. Um, yeah, I like Pitt in that one. That's a trap spread. Three and a yeah. half. Yeah. I could definitely see it being. Yeah, do you have the spreads? Yeah, I'm looking at them right now. Um, 
Utah is six and a half dog to Ohio State. Six and a half? Yeah. Ohio, I I don't know. It'll probably go to seven and a half before the game. Yeah, I like Ohio State in that and to cover. I like Ole Ole Miss plus one and a half against Baylor. I like them to win outright. And then Notre Dame is, I think, three and a half? What is it? It's Yeah, two and a half. They're going to cover. Notre Dame's going to win and cover that for sure. Yeah, I... I like Bama by um by whatever I don't know what's the spread on that Bama game? thirteen and a half it's gonna go up to it's gonna be about sixteen and a half by game time yeah I whatever number you throw in front of me even if it's thirty I'd probably take Bama sorry sorry fickle um yeah I I've watched so much Georgia and Michigan especially the last month and a half and they I like Michigan to cover too I don't know I mean obviously if they cover they, they I really think that could be like an Oklahoma Georgia kind of caliber game where it's a where it's a, it's so close yeah. to the end. Not that they're gonna each put up fifty points. I'm gonna say close. my take for that game. I'm gonna say overtime in Michigan Georgia, um, like which I don't think there's been an overtime in a college football. Georgia Georgia Alabama. Oh, they Alabama. did. Yeah, they did. Okay. Um, I like Pitt um, to cover, and I think they win by a touchdown. Um, I like OSU winning by a touchdown. Uh, I think Baylor goes out and they send another message and they beat Ole Miss in a close one. And then I absolutely love the Irish against the Cowboys. Yeah, it's gonna fired up Notre Dame team. They're gonna Spencer Sanders is a joke. They're gonna destroy Ole Miss. Ky- Are they Kyle might, Hamilton? I might take might... Notre Dame alt line two touchdowns. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean Notre Dame's the better team, but they just lose. No, I, it's fair. System. Like I, I hold nothing against anyone that would say that. Like if, if history tells us anything, Oklahoma State will beat them, even though they shouldn't. But well, last I mean last New Year's Six. It's a good they, slate of they games. They beat they beat Iowa State, so non playoff New Year's. Six, and they are say. playing the the playoff games are on New Year's Eve this year, right? Yeah. Okay, that, I kind of like that. Um, I have just right in front of us with the twelve team playoff would look like just because I felt like in the past couple podcasts we've been discussing right. that and I like to discuss it because I love the 12 team because I love how you get those home games in the first round yeah. so let me read off some of these to you Oklahoma State going to Ole Miss Pitt going to Notre Dame Utah going to Ohio State MSU going to Baylor and if they won that game so then winner of Ole Miss Oklahoma State would play Bama the one Winner of ND Pitt would play Cincy the four, and those would be the playoff spots. Inject. That would be so sick, dude. Winner of Utah, Ohio State would be Georgia, and the winner of Michigan State, Baylor, would play the Wolverines. So it was so funny hearing you say, like, Pitt going to Notre Dame because I've seen so many Pitt games where where Pitt against the Irish, and none of them ever meant anything because it was like, Notre Dame's two touchdown favorites. They are their rivals, and Notre Dame dominates Pitt for the most part. And it's like you're hearing in the college football playoff a Pitt Notre Dame game that actually has huge implications. That's cool. Like yeah, that's cool. Very like cool. Notre Dame hasn't had one of those. The biggest rivalry game we've had in recent memory was the last game of the season against Stanford. That was that win and end when we were when yeah. we ended at five, and the uh, Conrad Ukropina game. I uh, never forget. But yeah, that like. Those, could you imagine we're just gearing up for that, you know, in a couple weeks? Like, that'd be unbelievable. And, like, the, what my whole thing about, like, the snow, 
You know, it, like, it would be cool. You get Utah coming into Columbus. There could be some snow. Right. I mean. You're not just all playing it in, you know, no. domes in the south. Like, yeah. you get yeah, more so parity, more teams out of their element, I mean, in their element. Michigan like, versus MSU in a game to get to the Final Four would be one of the most electrifying games in sports history, I think. I think the state of Michigan would burn down. Yeah, yeah. I think it would actually go to Civil War. Yeah. It would, they would res- they would leave the union just so they could fight their own war Man, and whoever been, wins would just rejoin the union. Would have been even crazier if Ohio State was the seven seed because then it'd be Ohio State MSU winner of that place Michigan <laughs> just like complete chaos. Wow, yeah, that. But see, yeah, like I, it's I almost lo- fun to dream about. It really it, is. It I is like so it because you get to play those road games. You get people in environments you normally aren't at, and they normally are just. Hey, let's go to Charlotte for, or not Charlotte, sorry, Miami for the Orange Bowl where they play, or, you know, let's go to Dallas for the Cotton Bowl where they play, or Atlanta for the Peach. I mean, yeah, those are destination cities, but to actually get those people on college campuses and communities, I think would be really cool. Yeah, and, and I mean, I am, ex- like, I always have mixed feelings about the New Year's Six because, like, we just read off the, read off the matchups, and they're good games. Like, these are games that you'd love to see um, anytime. But really? that's the thing. It's like, do I really give a shit if, like, I, I want Baylor to win. Like, I like Baylor. Do I give a shit who wins that game? No. And do they? It's just, it's just like, moral victories only. You have Thibodeau opted out of his program. Right. You get guys opting out because it's like, and that's the other thing about Kyle Hamilton. They were talking about, they kept asking Freeman in the press conference, is he going to play? Is he going to play? He's like, uh, we haven't determined anything. We're going to do what's right for Kyle Hamilton as you know a top prospect in the yeah, draft he and he shouldn't play he shouldn't no. no like he shouldn't because could you imagine he get goes jalen smith and gets hurt in a game that didn't yeah. mean anything yeah. except for you know it's a pissing these are all like pissing contests like yeah. oh we oh uh pit like for a team like pit it, it means something right who hasn't played in a big game in years oh let's go beat michigan state and say we're you know we're the champs of the peach bowl like Good for you, but it's all it is is a pat on the back. Like, good job, Notre Dame. You finally won a New Year's Six game. Like, it doesn't matter, and they should. Like, these games are all great games, but none of them mean anything at the end of the day. A uh, couple non-New Year's Six bowl games that I think deserve to be talked about a little bit. Uh, number 15, Iowa versus number 22, Kentucky in the Citrus Bowl. Um, that's always good to enjoy on your New Year's Day, at 1 p.m. right before all the other New Year's Six games start. Uh, Outback Bowl, number 21, Arkansas versus Penn State. You know, Penn State had a pretty good year. I like that game, too. Uh, yeah. 20, 25th, Texas A&M versus number 17, Wake Forest in the Gator Bowl. That's the early New Year's Eve game, 11 a.m. Um, another one, too, is uh, North Carolina versus no- South Carolina in the, the, the Mayo Bowl, the Duke's Mayo the Duke, Bowl, yeah. which is in Charlotte. And I think that's really cool. That's just a cool matchup there. It's just which Carolina State's better. Um, and then uh, Alamo Bowl, number 14, Oregon, versus number 16, Oklahoma. Uh, that's another good one. And, yeah, that's pretty yeah, much I'm, it. I'm very excited for bowl season. I'll be all over these bowl pools. I mean, how do you not get juiced for the Lending Tree Bowl, Liberty versus Eastern Michigan? Yeah, like that's going to be – Talk to me about the Hawaii Like, that bowl. game means as much as Oklahoma – 
Oklahoma, or Oklahoma State versus Notre Dame. But in when, reality. yeah, when you're, when you're in bowl pools, it's so fun just picking these spreads. You're just yeah. you're juiced you for no South Carolina State. It's like Jackson it's like you're State, 12 years like, old again, and you're just so in love with the game, and you're watching the Advocare 1000 Bowl, and and I I have vivid memories of being home for for winter break, and my dad coming in, you know, coming in from work, and being like, "Are you really watching?" Eastern Kentucky and, and New Mexico, you know, yeah. and it's like, yeah, I am. I yeah, am. because I have them six and a half. <laughs> I'll pick them. And I yeah, exactly. Them. I got 24 confidence points on, on Eastern. But, uh, confidence points. No, but it, it'll it be fine. I mean, bowl season is, is one of the best seasons of the year. Um, and it it's a shame that there is no 12 team. But it also, it you wouldn't lose out on some of these other bowl games, like we said, that are interesting because everyone at the end of the season, there's going to be, like, with all the conference championships, we had a full slate, right? There are a ton of games where it's like you could sneak into the top 12 and you could yeah. make the top 12. Instead of having six, what do we have, maybe six teams that could have possibly made the playoff this year, it was basically Oklahoma State and Notre Dame that could have gotten in. So you're yeah. talking about six teams in the last week of the season that – Really five because what no matter what happened to Georgia they got blown out and they're still in so you had like five teams that could possibly make it here you have like twenty so all these games are so meaningful and then you know you'll get you get thrown a bone if you get left you know left out like you get yeah. you still get that Penn State uh, Arkansas game and you still get some other good games but. and the committee did announce that there really wouldn't be any changes till twenty twenty five but to me it's inexcusable not to have at least eight you have the infrastructure already in play. Mm-hmm. So it's like, why have players opt out of the peach and the rose when it's like, hey, let's just trust this infrastructure we already have put in play, keep top prospects playing, maximize revenue, and it's just one more game for the the national championship right. teams that we're gonna play in. And that. if you're a if you're a great player it's that one has, more game for two teams. And if you're a yeah, and if you're a great player that's flown under the radar, you have another shot to. To get your name out there and to, you know make a big play in one of those games and your draft stock, your draft stock rises. Yeah. You you want and it's the same in in any sport, right? You want your best players playing because it's the players that bring in the yeah. audience, that bring in the revenue, that bring in the fans in. You want your best biggest players playing in every single game. So you see an Oregon team that come they early in the season they were what they got as high as two or three right so they're looking down the barrel of a playoff run for seven eight weeks and then you get maybe the best player in the country when they're in a in a solid bowl ah screw it yeah it just doesn't want to play right uh, i like it too because it gets all five conferences involved and say hey you win your conference you're in and then it gets hey we'll take the top mid-major like we do every year since he's in and you get then the conference five, and then you get two at large. Yeah. Where it goes, okay, Ohio State is a championship caliber football team who went 10-2. and two With a Heisman finalist. With a Heisman finalist. We're going to put them in, and then, okay, we'll put Pitt. Georgia in. Uh, Pitt won it, but, yeah. Wake Forest sneaking in. Well, I said the, they said the top the yeah, conference yeah. champions get in, so then yeah. Alabama won, so they're in, and then Georgia, Georgia and Ohio State get in. Right there right. you just have eight teams who are ready to play. And you get Kiffin in there. The lane train. Yeah, but it's what's your of the New Year's six, um, outside or I guess the games that aren't the the college football semifinals. What's your favorite? Favorite game for this year or yeah, just favorite the, bowl? No, the favorite matchup. 
Uh, I, I'm all over Pitt versus MSU. Um, I love that Narduzzi is the former Michigan State defensive coordinator, and Michigan State is just, we're just going to shove it down your throat with Kenneth Walker. Yeah. And so I like it that it's it's kind of, all right, revenge game. we got the former D.C. who's now the head coach of Pitt. Hopefully he can seem to stop like a Michigan State run attack like that. I think it'll be interesting. So that's my that's my circle one. Best one is going to be Ole Miss Baylor for sure. Yeah, that was. Good. Yeah, it's going to. I mean, that's going to be a shootout. Corral Corral's going to try and cement like his draft stock, all this, and Kenny. I think yeah, he's drafted. So, draft NFL draft implications. Baylor's defense is pretty pretty very stout. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Has has ND ever played Oklahoma State? Is this like the first time they've played? I. Th- Vaguely remember like seeing something from the '90s, I think, and they played in a bowl game. I swear they always find their way into the Fiesta Bowl, didn't they? Play Ohio State. Oh uh, yeah, 2015. There was when that was when Bosa got ejected and Jalen Smith effectively threw out his knee, in like the first quarter of that game. Wow, interesting. We were watching that in your basement. Yep. But no, yeah, I'm excited for these games, and I, yeah, no, Pitt MSU is gonna be fun. Like one last ride with with Pickett. And Kenneth Walker, two guys that were Heisman hopefuls. You got the one guy obviously got the nod, but I think that'll be a solid game because Pitt's been great, but they played in a down U.S. Like they played Wake Forest in the ACC championship. You know, I think so. they've looked outside of their two idiot losses to Miami and Western Michigan. They have shown out against teams they've that played up. are considered good. Uh, like they. I mean, Wake is scoring like fifty points a game. It seems that's a lot, and you got to counter that on offense, and they did. Yeah. But yeah, I, I'm excited for that game. I like Narduzzi. I would have really liked to see Pitt ND, just because it's like these guys in the '70s and '80s, like late '70s, like yeah. these were national championship caliber mm-hmm. programs, rivals. I think it would have been cool to see, but. And it's funny. This is like one of the one of the only years I can remember where we didn't have Pitt on the schedule. You know, and this yeah, the that's best, interesting. And this is the best Pitt's been, but that also plays into like how we've said before those games that we play traditionally every year where the teams have been down, like USC. It's like this would have been the perfect year. That would have been our. We would have had a marquee win right there, assuming we we win, no matter if it's by a two touchdowns or a point. That's another thing that plays in if you know. If someone went down, it's like, oh, well, Notre Dame, they did beat, you know, a strong Pitt team and a solid Wisconsin team, and that just, that adds to the resume. But um, I love the I love the six. Um, I do if if I, which I probably will. I'll I think Bama wins it again. I think they go back to back. I think they do too. They got the complete defense and the stunning offense. I think Matchy's out, which is big. But yeah, I think really. Georgia's the only one who can beat them because they've already seen them, and you can scheme that second game a little bit better, and they didn't even look that impressive on offense. So it's like, hey, let's kind of stick with our same offensive scheme, maybe put a couple of wrinkles in, limit their time on off, Bama's time on offense, and they can win that game. Good but yeah. you know, I, I don't be... know how Michigan would, would do if they won that game stepping in to play Bama. I'm like, I, I really don't know. I mean, I guess you scheme for that the same way you scheme for Ohio State. With a Heisman finalist QB, great running back, and skill players on the outside, I, I guess you do, and I guess that's an advantage. But I mean, they're they're two different teams, and 
I, I think Ryan Day's a phenomenal coach. I don't think he's Nick Saban. You know, it would be absolutely phenomenal for college football, just a Michigan Cincy final. Yeah, it's phenomenal. It would be like, you know, I I thought it was great for for basketball last year when the Suns played the Bucks. Like I'm like that's great yeah. because you you kind of have this inaugural game that, you know, it's not Steph Curry and LeBron where you kind of get tired of it, you know, yeah. where it's like, okay, so we'll see LeBron just Score forty and Steph and Clay are just too much. Okay, yeah. we've seen we this story's been written before. But you get Suns and Bucks and it's like, okay, we know what Giannis can do, but is this Sun team for real? I know they've run it here, and it's like, yes, they are. And that was a fun yeah. ass finals to watch. Finals. And that's what yeah. I say with college football, it comes down to like the coaching, because like although you don't see these players time and time again, you you see Nick Saban. Like Nick Saban knows how to coach a title game. Dabo Sweeney knows how to coach a title game right. and win. I mean, hell, even Jimbo Fisher yeah. knows how to coach a title game and win. Uh, Urban Meyer. But, so, it, I mean, Kirby Smart knows how to get to a title game and lose to his former head coach. You know, and will he do it again this year? I mean, Jim Harbaugh, yeah, he's coaching the Super Bowl. I guess that puts him maybe in the best position outside you know what, of Nick Saban. Yeah, I don't, but it's yeah. not directly parallel. You know what I think we're going to be seeing a lot of in the weeks, in the coming weeks is – I feel like we're going to be seeing that that picture that went viral after that Georgia Cincy game last year of that one guy just watching yeah watching Georgia set was that the Orange Bowl I'd love to see Cincy Georgia like we're going to be seeing a lot of that when you know they do the whole like week where it's just you know hyping up the game and going you know press with the players and all this I have a feeling that's going to be up everywhere where it's like see this is Cincy they did it we were talking this is this is a competitor this is a guy that's hungry if the Bills make the Super Bowl Stephon Diggs is watching who just copied yeah yeah, he just copied that guy I guess if you if you lose a game in in a championship kind of caliber whether it's a conference just hang around for ten just minutes. Just hang around and watch the confetti. Even if you don't give a shit, and then you'll shit, be that yeah. guy. It's like, man, he's so gritty. The like, man in the arena. He watched. He watched. Like, oh, what did he skip? Like the team meeting, like after the game, and just yeah. Just, everyone's yeah. just you got you got you're just have a late start to the shower. Yeah. Like, yeah. What or are you some really guy, doing? some guy after a football game, just like driving slides on like the backfield <laughs> or something. It's like, just hit a slide or just. Look sad watching yeah. the other team celebrate, and yeah. you'll become and hope there's a photographer behind you, like seeing. Bring your like own photographer. Bring your yeah. own photographer, yeah. and just send so, it out as like you. I don't know him. This look at Stefan Diggs. Yeah. He'll be back. Cincy will definitely have a player and photographer in position for if they lose to Bama, just for it's like, well, we're same. coming back yeah. next year. No, like, it's gonna the be. Vengeance. They're gonna take the exact same photo yeah. of someone. Like they might just. Photoshop it just to Bama instead of Photoshop Georgia. him onto that field, yeah, and then be like, yeah, since he, they're back next year. Bleacher Report will throw in like the fire emoji and then like so the eyeball emoji. Be like, he's got next. Yeah, <laughs> next up, loading, loading, yeah, loading. <laughs> Cincinnati loading. Oh man, but uh, yeah, I think uh, I think this is as good a college football. Um, show that you're going to get this last hour and a half. It's always fun to just talk about it when you get things like the coaching carousel starts to go around. Uh, you start to see the playoff and bowl games develop. It's just a fun thing to talk about, Heisman finalists. There's just so many um, moving parts. I mean, November and early 
November and just early December is just so fun to just to watch college football. You get those meaningful games, you get conference championships, who's where, what coaches lived up, what coaches didn't, who's taking new jobs, who's not. Who shot up the uh who shot up the leaderboard the draft boards. Yeah. But um yeah, I think we'll uh, I think we'll leave it there. Um excited for the next couple weeks, see what happens, excited to see some coaches make their, their debuts and uh We'll see what happens. We'll see who. Uh, we'll see if Bama can go back to back. So, um, thanks, boys. Uh, thank you all for listening, and uh, we'll be back soon.